Campfire Classics is a classic literature podcast. However, your hosts will occasionally use not-so-classy language and immature humor to describe very mature situations. As such, listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler. Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelves. It's, uh, I thought we were just doing yeah, immersive noise. soundscape. Immersive soundscape. Yes. Yeah. Welcome, welcome to the podcast of immersive soundscaping. Yeah. Campfire classics. I mean, that could work. I suppose. <laughs> it used to be much more immersive soundscapey. I used to spend a lot of time building in sound effects and and doing That's things true. underneath the stories and musical and cues and like musical that, cues oh, that and was whatnot. During COVID. <laughs> it was during COVID. That. Yeah, it was <laughs> during yeah, COVID. That was a big part we of it. We didn't have other things happening. You yeah. have a show opening this. Well, you have a. We show were also previews this week. Yeah. we were like. We were also uh, at times recording like three or four episodes in a week and getting them done way really in advance. Way yeah. in advance. Well, because it was I'd have, COVID. Yeah, I'd have <laughs> days to work on it. Because it was COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to reality. Now our soundscapes sound like this. <laughs> <laughs> you th- you still throw the meow in when I say the right word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are things that I do, and there is a lovely burning fire that yes. you get to listen to under the entire story. Yeah, it's lovely, which is great, and definitely not just a way for me to make it easier to edit out weird little hiccups in sound. Hey, don't give away the tricks of the <laughs> trade, man. Like that is the way we roll. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, welcome to October. Yeah, it's uh, it's October, y'all. You know, apparently I'm from Minnesota when I talk about October. Yeah, by way of Texas. <laughs> y'all. Welcome to October, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. You know, one thing I'll always promise you is confused accent work from Heather on this podcast. Oh gosh, Magali, what are you doing here? <laughs> and I just spent the day speaking like Betsy Ross, so who knows what's going to come out of my mouth? We never know. We never know. <laughs> but we've made it to October, uh, and it's starting to get fally outside. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of nice. I like. I love the fall. Yeah. So. It's pretty. You're opening your show in a week. Yeah. Yeah. Got an um, audience tomorrow night. Tonight, yeah. as you are listening to this episode. Yeah. So if you're in Philadelphia, go check out Elvis at the Walnut Street Theater and yeah. check out Ken in a really fun wig. Yeah. If you <laughs> follow goatee. me on social media, you saw me <laughs> dressed up like Shaggy Shakespeare. I, I said he looks like he's going to a fish concert. Yeah. <laughs> like straight up. I was like, I feel like that guy's really high and at a fish concert. Yeah. yeah. I, I also got um, villain from like an Errol Flynn medieval movie. Yeah. yeah, I could see that. Yeah. In a different shirt. Yes. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> Swashbuckling Basil Rathbone. Ooh. You know? Yeah. Yeah, but check check that out, and uh, yeah, I hope everyone's doing doing well as the seasons transition, and uh, 
the government didn't shut down today, so I went to work. Uh. Yeah, that was sort of a surprise. <laughs> I kind of half expected it to uh, to decide not to work. Yeah, <laughs> who knows anymore? I don't, I can't even follow. I didn't even know it was happening because I purposely don't like watch the news right so until much Jason anymore. sent out that email until our like supervisor sent out an email saying go collect your clothing at the the place where we store all our clothing because we might not be able to get into that building because it belongs to National Park Services mm-hmm. and I was like wait what what the fuck's going on <laughs> America <laughs> but non-issue we still have a government the writers aren't <laughs> on strike anymore but SAG still is. SAG still is, but that'll get sorted out pretty quickly, I yeah, think. But like uh, Colbert's back. Like there's like yeah. some shows back on that are shows that I would watch to get, you know, current updates, but I have right. not been able to watch. So now he can tell you all about this upcoming uh, non existent government shutdown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's only 45 days, so it yeah. could happen again. We don't know. You know, just in time for the holidays. Yeah, keep your eyes peeled right around Thanksgiving. Anyway. Right around Thanksgiving, when the government goes on vacation anyway. When they go on vacation, but they get paid anyway. Yeah. So that's what pissed me off the most when I was reading up about it. And I, I knew this, but every time it comes around, it's mm-hmm. like, they all still get paid. The people of Congress still fucking get paid. Yeah. Now, the people that work hourly. Don't. Don't. And that's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh... The system is down. The system is down. <laughs> so welcome to Campfire Classics, where I try to transition us away from politics, <laughs> y- usually with moderate amounts of success. Um, this with is penis jokes. And, yes, and, this is this is a penis podcast. Penis pot, penis soundscape podcast. Yep. There you go. Uh, no, this is a literary comedy podcast where we read short stories that we have pulled out of public domain and present them to you free of charge. We just force you to listen to some really bad puns, usually. Yeah. That's kind of the only... And accents. And, yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, but usually you get a really good story out of it. Yeah, typically. Like, like we've only had a couple duds in yeah. these many, 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 many episodes we're, we're, we've had. We're batting so. somewhere around 90%, At I least, think. Yeah. I would say yeah. even higher. Uh, so that's what we do. And today um, I think is going to be a really good one. Nice. Uh, that's good to hear because this week Heather has selected a story for me to read. So I am going to um, try to plow my way through it sight unseen. I mean, I'm going to be looking at it while I read it, obviously. I don't have to make it up as I go along. But I've never seen it before um, before you hear me read it in like 10 minutes. Um, but in the intervening time, Heather's going to read us a few fun facts to give, maybe give us some hints as to what we're in store for. So we are going to cover an author today that we have covered before. Okay. And it was actually one of our favorite episodes. Okay. So I'm not going to give fun facts about the author. But so fun facts is just random fun facts about October because <laughs> okay. it's spooky month. So guess Great. what? You're reading a ghost story today. Okay. That makes <laughs> sense. It's October yep. and that's what we tend to have been doing uh, when we hit October. So here we are. So fun facts about October, the eighth month of the old Roman calendar because octo means eight. eight. But guess what? It's the 10th month, y'all, and they yep. just decided to not change it. So when the when Julius Caesar was like, I want to add January and February to the calendar, they just were like, yeah, that'll work. 
<laughs> so yeah. that's why it's October, if you were not aware. Um, in Greek, October, October means tetrin, which means turn of the seasons. Oh. Which is lovely. Yeah, because it is. Because it is. Uh, and then we have some fun facts because two of these fun facts you will really enjoy and already are aware of one of them. Oktoberfest is generally settle, uh, celebrated in Munich, Germany yep. every, actually, September. September and the first week of October. Yep. Uh, it's just called Oktoberfest, I'm guessing, because it finishes then. Um, or because everyone gets so, so drunk, drunk they, they don't know what month it is. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like, it was always October, wasn't it? It's so, always been October, yeah. in fact. It has always been October. You know what? I can there live in October all the time. There is no December. There is no August. There is no fucking March. February? It is what is this all, leap shit? Yeah. It is all October. I'm down with that. I mean, I could deal with some October weather for, because you get a couple random, like today, it was 80 yeah. degrees. Yeah. But then by the end of the month, it's probably going to be like in the 50s. It's like perfect. Um, so Oktoberfest began in 1810 as a celebration of the marriage of Crown Prince Ludwig of Bavaria and Princess Therese of Saxony Hildenbrockhausen. That's definitely how you pronounce that. Beautiful name. Yep. Uh, Today, Oktoberfest, of course, is a major tourist attraction drawing millions of people that have Bavarian food, music, and lots of beer, and, you know, time travelers, as we learned in that one uh, episode that we really loved, um, where we read, what was the name of the actual story? Unborn Tomorrow. Unborn Tomorrow, yes. By Mac Reynolds. So if you want to listen to Unborn Tomorrow after this episode, I highly recommend it. It's about Oktoberfest and time travel. Um, And it's also just a fucking great story. And uh, that is episode number 60. And the episode is entitled Sex Fly. So go check that out after this if you want. Sex Fly. Sex Fly. He's a sex fly. Uh, So then, so we have Oktoberfest. We love that. Which... Ken and I are planning to go to at some point, and I'm sure you can find an Oktoberfest in a town near you. Yeah, if um if someone emails us with directions to time travel, we'll go to Oktoberfest this year. But barring that, it'll be in the next year or two. <laughs> yeah, definitely not not this year. It's going to be over this week, so we wouldn't get to experience yeah, the entire time travel entirety. Yeah, but it, yeah, if Doctor Who wants to come grab yeah. us, I'm in. It is also yesterday was International Coffee Day. Which I did not know is a thing, Um, but I do like for why it is. So it's to acknowledge the cherished beverage, of course, Mm -hmm. and the worldwide impact it has had. But the reason it is uh, International Coffee Day is to increase public awareness of the difficulties that coffee growers confront, including concerns about fair trade, environmentally friendly production methods, et cetera, et cetera. So just becoming aware that it is a crop that needs to be sustainable and needs to be, people need to be treated right. And Yeah, that's um, great. I didn't know there was an International Coffee Day. I didn't Day. either. National Coffee Day is September 29th. Wow, they're like back to back. Yeah, they're right next to each other. Damn. So the, the American one is like September two days, 29th. Two days earlier, International. Yeah. So guys... The theme is just drink beer and coffee. You'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, generally. In yeah. October, that's a pretty good way to survive mm-hmm. the month is beer and coffee. Uh, another fun fact, 44% of Americans purchase pumpkins in the month of October alone. Hmm. So 
That means with pumpkins uh, uh, in, to, in 2022, it is estimated that Americans spent a whopping $804 million on pumpkins. It's a lot of money to spend on pumpkins. That's fucking crazy. But did you know that uh, um, pumpkins were not the original use of jan- uh, uh, like to make a jack-o'-lantern out of? It was parsnips. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Who knew? Now you do. See, fun facts. Uh, smaller. Yes. And not quite so easy to smash. Yeah, that's true. So, hey, listener, uh, if you're out there smashing pumpkins this Halloween, don't. fuck you. Yeah, don't do that's that. That's rude. Just don't fucking do that. It's not cool. Unless it's like a rotted one, like after the holiday, then deal with it, whatever. Do whatever you want. But don't throw it on anyone or at anything. Just, you know, find find a better use of your time. Uh, (laughs) And finally, it is Libra and Scorpio season. But because we're at the beginning of the month, it's Libra season. Sure is. Which uh, has some famous birthdays in it, including Mahatma Gandhi. Mm Mm-hmm. John Lennon, mm-hmm. Serena Williams, mm-hmm. Jerry Lee Lewis, William Penn, founder of Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. Oscar Wilde, Julie Andrews, Snoop Dogg, and Ken Sandberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> that guy. Who shares a birthday with uh, some superhero actor, Hugh something or other. Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, he's got, he's got the same birthday as that Ken guy. That Ken guy that we, we know a little bit about. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so today you are going to be, so those are your October fun facts. Welcome to October, everybody. I just want to greet you with the season in proper, proper celebration. So you're going to be reading a story by E.F. Benson, who wrote our favorite the room in the tower. The room in the tower. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, funny yeah, that sure. you started about sound. You talked about soundscapes at the yep. beginning because that was the first one that you wrote like a really like extensive song for. It was yeah. like, "Don't yeah, yeah. go into the room in the well, tower." Well, our, our listeners know because they're hearing it right now. Yeah, there. You're gonna bring yeah. it back. Good, good. Because yeah. that is something we have brought up many, yeah. many times since then. So, this is a story by that, and based on that story, I'm thinking this one's gonna be pretty fun. So, cool. this is called. The Terror by Night. Let's start this fire. Woohoo! Spooky fire. The Terror by Night by E.F. Benson. The transference of emotion is a phenomenon so common, so constantly witnessed, that mankind in general have long ceased to be conscious of his that mankind in general have long ceased to be conscious of its existence as a thing worth our wonder or consideration, regarding it as a fucker. <laughs> We're off to a good start. It's a a fucking long sentence sentence right there. I wasn't ready for a long first sentence. Yeah. The transference of emotion is a phenomenon so common, so constantly witnessed, that mankind in general have long ceased to be conscious of its existence as a thing worth our wonder or consideration, regarding it as being as natural and commonplace as the transference of things that act by the ascertained laws of matter. 
boom sentence. That was unnecessary. That was Shakespearean in its uh, in its length and uh, design. Yes. That yeah. That, that was why, full of uh, full of the uh, parentheticals in the middle there. You. Mr. Benson, you have already put me in a mood to not like you with that sentence. <laughs> and this next one looks even fucking longer. Nobody, for instance, is surprised if when the room is too hot, the opening of a window causes the cold, fresh air of outside to be transferred into the room. And in the same way, no one is surprised when into the same room, perhaps, which we will imagine as being peopled with dull and gloomy persons, there enters someone of a fresh and sunny mind who instantly brings into the stuffy mental atmosphere a change analogous to that of the opened windows. Oh, it's about a happy person coming in. It's someone who, like, brings the joy. For now. For now. But it's probably going to be the opposite. <laughs> it is this, so far this story is about the exponential growth of sentence length. Yeah. Well, let's see how long it can <laughs> get. That's what she said. <laughs> That's the terror by night. That's what they call that vibrator. What? <laughs> That's the dildo they keep in the back of the store. Um, I, I came here to buy the, the, the Terror by Night. I heard it's really long. Yeah, <laughs> you're not using that in the back, are you? <laughs> Ew! Ew! But a ching! <laughs> Exactly how this infection is conveyed, we do not know, considering the wireless wonders that act by material laws, which are already beginning to lose their wonder now that we have our newspaper brought as a matter of course every morning in mid-Atlantic, it would not perhaps be rash to conjecture that in some subtle and occult way the transference of emotion is in reality material too. Okay. Okay. Okay, so it, yeah, okay. Certainly, to take another instance, the sight of definitely material things, like writing on a page, conveys emotion apparently direct to our minds, as when our pleasure or pity is stirred by a book, and it is therefore possible that mind may act on mind by means as material as that. It's... It's like manifestation and, and your mind over matter kind of situation. Yeah. Occasionally, however, we come across phenomena which, though they may easily be as material as any of these things, are rarer and therefore more astounding. Some people call them ghosts, some conjuring tricks, and some nonsense. Those were short sentences. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Got past the first one. We're good. It seems simpler to group them under the head of transferred emotions than they may appeal to any of the senses. Some ghosts are seen, some heard, some felt, and though I know of no instance of a ghost being tasted, yet it will seem in the following pages that these occult phenomena may appeal at any rate to the senses that perceive heat, cold, or smell. I want someone who's tasted a ghost. <laughs> You're not using that in the back, are you? <laughs> oh, I don't 
don't think I've ever heard a story about someone. I mean, I've heard, I've heard like certain smells being so strong that you know when you smell something so strong you can like taste it. Mm-hmm. Like there's that. So I guess in a way. Well, anytime you smell anything, you're technically tasting. You're technically it. tasting yeah. it. Yeah. But like. Remember that next time that smell hits you when you walk into an outhouse. Ew. There's a place every time I walk to and from the Betsy Ross house that always smells like fresh vomit. And I don't know why. It's like not the exact same spot every time, but it's on the same block every time. And I've never seen any vomit. And I like, but it just, every time I walk to and from work, it's like, fuck. <laughs> like, That's bleh. probably where everybody vomits on their way stumbling home from the bar. There's no bars on that street. No, but there is, if there is a bar like a couple blocks away, they probably make it out of the bar, like two blocks down the way, vomit there, and then continue home. So they vomit outside the fucking cemetery where Ben Franklin is is buried? That seems like a, that's rude. They're like, I'm going to vomit outside this cemetery. Well, maybe they don't intend to, but they get really drunk, and on the way home, they stop to check out Franklin's grave. And he touches them. And they taste them. <laughs> they taste him. They, they, they lick. They lick it. <laughs> and then they vomit. Dear drunks of Philadelphia, <laughs> please stop licking Ben Franklin. Don't Ben Franklin, please. It's weird. <laughs> the city smells gross enough without your Ben Franklin vomit. Let's go. <laughs> All right. I digress. <laughs> Often. The new aroma from plugins. Ben Franklin vomit. <laughs> Febreze. Ben Franklin vomit. <laughs> Seasonal. <laughs> Seasonal specialty. <laughs> All this from tasting a ghost. Mm, yummy. <laughs> Welcome to Yankee Candle. <laughs> Bed Bath and Beyond. No, not Evergreen. Sorry. Pumpkin spice. Franklin vomit. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> so anyway, there are ghosts that affect the senses that perceive heat, cold, and smell. Four. <laughs> To take the analogy of wireless telegraphy, we are all of us probably receivers to some extent and catch now and then a message or part of a message that the eternal waves of emotion are ceaselessly shouting aloud to those who have ears to hear and materializing themselves for those who have eyes to see. Not being, as a rule, perfectly tuned, We grasp but pieces and fragments of such messages, a few coherent words it may be, or a few words which seem to have no sense. The following story, however, to my mind, is interesting because it shows how different pieces of what no doubt was one message were received and recorded by several different people simultaneously. Ten years have elapsed since the events recorded took place, and they were written down at the time. (laughs) Dun-dun. Jack Lorimer and I were very old friends before he married, and his marriage to a first cousin of mine did not make, as so often happens, a slackening in our intimacy. 
first I, I I just saw in his marriage to a first cousin. <laughs> that's like that's all I saw and went, oh no. Nope. <laughs> nope. His first cousin, but that okay. <laughs> Reading all of the words connected yes, does matter. Does matter, but that's just what I saw. Changes the meaning if went, you if you cut hell? off the end of the sentence. What the hell is this shit? <laughs> Within a few months after, it was found out that his wife had consumption and without any loss of time, she was sent off to Davos with her sister to look after her. The disease had evidently been detected at a very early stage and there was excellent ground for hoping that with proper care and strict regime, she would be cured by the life-giving frosts of that wonderful valley. You know what helps with a cold and something that's eating your fucking lungs? Frost and cold. I guess because it's clean air? Clean air. Clean air? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I guess like when you're... You don't want it to be too cold because then it like... Well, burns. you don't want it to be so cold that, that it, your immune system is suppressed. Well, yeah. but But often like hot, muggy air yeah. is going to impede. Well, it's like mold. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Hmm. The two had gone out in the November of which I am speaking, and Jack and I joined them for a month at Christmas and found that week after week she was steadily and quickly gaining ground. We had been back in town by the end of January, but it was settled that Ida should remain out with her sister for a week or two more. They both, I remember, came down to the station to see us off, and I am not likely to forget the last words that passed. Oh, don't look so woebegone, Jack, his wife had said. You'll see me again before long. Mm-mm, don't say that shit. Also, then, woebegone's a fun word. <laughs> do you want to look it up? No, I mean, I don't be look, look so melancholy. I'm get, But, like, I woebegone it just sounds like a, a planet in Doctor Who or something. We're well, off to woebegone. It's, uh, it's the name of the town in um, A Prairie Home Companion. Oh, shit. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Wobegon. This is the news from Lake Wobegon. Isn't that in Minnesota? Yeah. It goes back to my good dialect at the front of the episode, yeah. We go, don't look so Wobegon, Jack. <laughs> then the fussy little mountain engine squeaked as a puppy squeaks when its toe is trodden on, oh. and we puffed our way up the pass. London was in its usual desperate February plight when we got back, which, as we all remember, doesn't exist. It's actually October. It's just cold October. It's just colder, shorter October. <laughs> Full of fogs and stillborn frosts that seemed to produce a cold far more bitter than the piercing temperature of those sunny altitudes from which we had come. We both, I think, felt rather lonely, and even before we had got to our journey's end, we had settled that, for the present, it was ridiculous that we should keep open two houses when one would suffice, and would also be far more cheerful for us both. They're gonna shack up. Yeah, boys, get it? <laughs> Wife's got consumption. Hey, baby. <laughs> You lonely? <laughs> Close up my house. Come on over. We'll get out the thing in the back. <laughs> I call it the terror by night. <laughs> Just making the story scarier. 
It tastes like a ghost. Ooh, yeah, that's what he said. So, as we both lived in almost identical houses in the same street in Chelsea, we decided to toss. Live in the house which the coin uh, indicated. Heads, mine, tails, his. Share expenses. Attempt to let the other house and, if successful, share the proceeds. A French five-franc piece of the Second Empire told us it was heads. We had been back some ten days, receiving every day the most excellent accounts from Davos, when first on him, then on me, there descended like some tropical storm a feeling of indefinable fear. Very possibly this sense of apprehension, for there is nothing in the world so virulently infectious, reached me through him. On the other hand, both these attacks of vague foreboding may have come from the same source, but it is true that it did not attack me till he spoke of it, so the possibility perhaps inclines to my having caught it from him. He spoke of it first, I remember, one evening when we had met for a good night talk after having come back from separate houses where we had dined. Yeah, they came back for a good night talk and he caught something from him, so this is... <laughs> I have felt most awfully down all day, he said. And just after receiving this splendid account from Daisy, I can't think what is the matter. He poured himself out some whiskey and soda as he spoke. Oh, touch of liver, I said. I shouldn't drink that if I were you. Give it me instead. <laughs> I was never better in my life, he said. I was opening letters as we talked and came across one from the house agent, which, with trembling eagerness, I read. Hurrah! I cried. Offer of five good as... Uh, why can't he write it in proper English? Five guineas a week till Easter for number 31. We shall roll in guineas. Oh, but I can't stop here till Easter, he said. I don't see why not. Nor, by the way, does Daisy. I heard from her this morning, and she told me to persuade you to stop. That's to say, if you like. It really is more cheerful for you here. I forgot you were telling me something. The glorious news about the weekly guineas did not cheer him up in the least. Thanks. Awfully. Of course, I'll stop. He moved up and down the room once or twice. No, it's, it's not me that is wrong, he said. It's it. Whatever it is. The terror by night. The terror by night. Which you are commanded not to be afraid of, I remarked. I know. It's easy commanding. I'm frightened. Something's coming. Five guineas a week are coming, I said. I shan't sit up and be infected by your fears. All that matters, Davos, is going as well as it can. What was the last report? Incredibly better. Take that to bed with you. The infection, if infection it was, did not take hold of me then, for I remember going to sleep feeling quite cheerful. But I awoke in some dark, still house, and 
it, the terror by night, terror had come while I slept. Fear and misgiving, blind, unreasonable, and paralyzing, had taken and gripped me. What was it? Just as by an a- aneroid? <laughs> aneroid? <laughs> that sounds like a really bad hemorrhoid. <laughs> Actually, it just kind of sounds like it a hemorrhoid. sounds like a hemorrhoid. <laughs> uh, I'm going to look that one up. Uh, aneroid? Aneroid. Aneroid, adjective, containing no liquid or actuated without the use of liquid. That doesn't make sense. What is the aneroid blood pressure apparatus? The aneroid and mercury have traditionally been used in practice to obtain manual blood pressure readings. It's a barometer. So it's a way- Oh, it's it's a barometer. Gotcha. uh, It's a barometer or a way to measure something. Cool. cool, Aneroid. (laughs) Yeah. There we go. Not anal, not analroid, aneroid. (laughs) Just as by an anal roid. <laughs> Ouch. That will keep you up at night. <laughs> Just as by an aneroid we can foretell the approach of storm, so by this sinking of the spirit, unlike anything I had ever felt before, I felt sure that disaster of some sort was presaged. Jack. Saw it at once, when we met at breakfast next morning in the brown, haggard light of a foggy day. Not dark enough for candles, but dismal beyond all telling. So, it has come to you too, he said. And I had not even the fighting power left to tell him that I was merely slightly unwell. Besides, never in my life had I felt better. All next day, all the day after, that fear lay like a black cloak over my mind. I did not know what I dreaded, but it was something very acute, something that was very near. It was coming nearer every moment, spreading like a pall of clouds over the sky. But on the third day, after miserably cowering under it, I suppose some sort of courage came back to me. Neither this was pure imagination, some trick of disordered nerves or what not, in which case we were both disquieting ourselves in vain, or from the immeasurable waves of emotion that beat upon the minds of men, something within both of us had caught a current, a pressure. In either case, it was infinitely better to try, however ineffectively, to stand up against it. For these two days, I had neither worked nor played. I had only shrunk and shuddered. I planned for myself a busy day with diversion for us both in the evening. This sounds like depression. Sure (laughs) does. It's like, I'm just gonna do a bunch of shit so I don't think about it. Either depression or, Or hey, have you seen The Shining? Yeah. Or, well, like, it sounds like some sort of mental, yeah. like, fog, yep. vent- mental instability, or paranormal. Yep. <laughs> Which often get confused for each other. So, there you go. So, hey, if you're ever feeling down and depressed, and you feel like you just need to, um, 
do something to work through it, right? Build up some activity, get mm-hmm. yourself something to do. I mean, yes, do that. That's that's great. Having an activity is awesome and can be a great way to distract yourself from the fact that your mind is slowly being taken apart by a ghost. <laughs> you just know if it gets taken apart too much, you're going to have to lick that ghost. And that will drive anyone crazy. We will dine early, I said, and go to the man from Blankley's. I have already asked Philip to come, and he is coming, and I have telephoned for tickets. Dinner at seven. Philip, I may remark, is an old friend of ours, neighbor in this street, and by profession, a much respected doctor. That's right. Bring a fucking doctor to be like, y'all okay? We're not crazy, we're just bored. Let's go see this silly play called The Man from Blankley's. I'm guessing. Yeah. Jack laid down his paper. Yes, I expect you're right, he said. It's no use doing nothing. It doesn't help things. Did you sleep well? Yes, beautifully, I said, rather snappishly, for I was all on edge with the added burden of an almost sleepless night. I wish I had, he said. This would not do at all. We've got to play up, I said. Here we are, two strong and stalwart persons, with as much cause for satisfaction with life as any you can mention, letting ourselves behave like worms. Our fear may be over things imaginary or over things that are real, but it is the fact of being afraid that is so despicable. There is nothing in this world to fear except fear. Okay. Holy shit, Kennedy stole Kennedy his best stole line. Holy shit! <laughs> what the well, let's be fair. Kennedy did not write that speech. His speechwriter did. Fine. But his speechwriter speech is a dirty, shit. dirty thief. Dirty, dirty fucking E.F. Benson thief. Unless E.F. Benson was Kennedy's speechwriter. Papers of John F. Kennedy. Who wrote JFK's speech? Council advisors. Ted Sorensen was his name. Was the guy who wrote We Have Nothing to Fear But Fear uh, he, Itself? His primary speechwriter. Okay. Was Ted Sorensen a descendant of E.F. Benson? <laughs> Tell me about Ted Sorensen. Ted so- Ten Chonkin Sorensen. Chonkin? <laughs> Chonkin? Chonk, chonk, chonk. No, I think Chonkin. <laughs> Hello, my name is Theodore, Theodore Chonkin Sorensen. Um, well, he was born 15 years after the story came out. Um... Uh, yeah. On he, the same day that E.F. Benson died. Sorensen helped draft Kennedy's inaugural address. Uh, I'm an idiot. It's Franklin, not... Oh, that was Roosevelt, yeah. Not uh, Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who is, like, 30 years earlier. That's true. Who wrote There's Nothing to Fear But Fear Itself? I'm sorry, Who John F. Kennedy. I'm sorry, John F. Kennedy. Uh, you're not a dirty, dirty thief. Franklin Delano Roosevelt is. Says a phrase from the 1933 inaugural address... Was also on an episode of the Golden Girls. <laughs> Did Roosevelt say the only thing we have to fear is for yourself? Benson was still alive when yeah, that was said. He was. I mean, it's a. I, 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 to be fair, it is a com like a. I mean, it's a common idea now, I guess. That like. Uh, intrusive thoughts or like thought like. 
overplaying your fears over and over is going to make your fear worse. So there's nothing to fear but fear itself. But yeah, it is interesting that he just straight up said the quote, <laughs> like in the middle of this story. There is nothing in the world to fear except fear. <laughs> All right. Roosevelt, you dirty, dirty thief. So our narrator is trying to bully up his friend. Yep. By letting him know there is nothing to fear but fear itself. And Literally. there is a man in a wheelchair in the corner listening in. <laughs> Jesus, he's not in the wheelchair yet. Doesn't he get polio <laughs> like while he's president? Actually, he time traveled back and watched this conversation while he was writing his speech. Ah, that's it. It's like, I heard they had a really cool conversation in this random house in England. I'm going to go listen to it and write He really would have been better off going to Oktoberfest. Yeah. Well, maybe he went both. He did both. That's actually why he's in the wheelchair. He got way drunk. <laughs> he and got like super drunk and needed a wheelchair just spine. to get home. <laughs> broke his spine at Oktoberfest. <laughs> so, do you think if we time travel to last week and go to Oktoberfest this year, we'll meet Franklin Delano Roosevelt? Absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> Will he smell like Franklin Vomit? <laughs> His first name is Franklin. Uh -huh. So he probably will because he's been drinking at Oktoberfest. <laughs> Literally, he will smell like his own vomit. <laughs> oh, man. That went full circle. Nice. There is nothing in the world to fear except fear. You know that as well as I do. Now, let's read our papers with interest. Which do you back? Mr. Druce, or the Duke of Portland, or the Times Book Club? <laughs> which papers are you listening? Which paper do you want? The New York Times or the Wall Street Journal? That day, therefore, passed very busily for me. There were enough events moving in front of that black background which I was conscious was there all the time to enable me to keep my eyes away from it, and I was detained rather late at the office and had to drive back to Chelsea in order to be in time to dress for dinner instead of walking back as I had intended. Then the message, which for these three days had been twittering in our minds, the receivers, just making them quiver and rattle, came through. I found Jack already dressed, since it was within a minute or two of seven when I got in and sitting in the drawing room. The day had been warm and muggy, but when I looked in on the way up to my room, it seemed to me to have grown suddenly and bitterly cold, not with the dampness of English frost, but with the clear and stinging exhilaration of such days as we had recently spent in Switzerland. Fire was laid in the grate, but not lit, and I went down on my knees on the hearthrug to light it. Why, it's freezing in here, I said. What donkeys servants are. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> it never occurs to them that you want fires in cold weather and no fires in hot weather. <laughs> oh, for heaven's sake, don't light the fire, said he. It's the warmest, muggiest evening I ever remember. Ooh. I stared at him in astonishment. My hands were shaking with the cold. He saw this. Why, you're shivering, he said. Have you caught a chill? But as to the room being cold, let us look at the thermometer. There was one on the writing table, 
65, he said. There was no disputing it, nor did I want to, for at that moment it suddenly struck us, dimly and distantly, that it was coming through. I felt it like some curious internal vibration. I love that it has been capitalized as a thing, so actually Stephen King also stole from me a fence. Yep. <laughs> it. <laughs> I did say this was basically The Shining. The, fuck. <laughs> Hot or cold, I must go and dress, I said, still shivering, but feeling as if I was breathing some rarefied, exhilarating air, I went up to my room. My clothes were already laid out, but by an oversight, no hot water had been brought up, and I rang for my man. Donkey. He came up almost at once, but he looked scared, or to my already startled senses, he appeared so. "'What's the matter?' I said. "'Nothing, sir,' he said, and he hardly articulated the words. "'I th thought you rang.' "'Yes. Hot water. But what's the matter?' He shifted from one foot to the other. "'I thought I saw a lady on the stairs,' he said, "'coming up close behind me, and the front doorbell hadn't rung that I heard.' "'Where did you think you saw her?' I asked.' On the stairs, uh, then on the landing outside the drawing room door, sir, he said. She stood there as if she didn't know whether to go in or not. One, <clears throat> One of the servants, I said, but again I felt that it was coming through. No, sir, it was not one of the servants, he said. Who was it then? couldn't see distinctly, sir. It was dim-like, but I thought it was Mrs. Lorimer. Oh, go and get me some hot water, I said. But he lingered. He was quite clearly frightened. At this moment, the doorbell rang. It was just seven, and already Philip had come with brutal punctuality while I was not yet half-dressed. Go out naked! That's Dr. Enderly, I said. Perhaps he, if he is on the stairs, you may be able to pass the place where you saw the lady. Then, quite suddenly, there rang through the house a scream, so terrible, so appalling in its agony and supreme terror that I simply stood still and shuddered, unable to move. Then, by an effort so violent that I felt as if something must break, I recalled the power of motion and ran downstairs, my man at my heels, to meet Philip, who was running up from the ground floor. He had heard it too. "'What's the matter?' he said. "'What was that?' Together, we went to the drawing room. Jack was lying in front of the fireplace with the chair in which he had been sitting a few minutes before overturned. Philip went straight to him and bent over him, tearing open his white shirt. What? Open all the windows, he said. The place reeks! Heart attack. Franklin vomit. Franklin vomit, yes. Yeah, because Franklin time traveled in yeah. and then he threw up and left. <laughs> We flung open the windows, and there poured in, so it seemed to me, a stream of hot air into the bitter cold. Eventually, Philip got up. He's dead, he said. Keep the windows open. 
The place is still thick with chloroform. What the fuck? <laughs> Gradually, to my sense, the room got warmer. To Phillips, the drug-laden atmosphere dispersed. But neither my servant nor I had smelled anything at all. A couple of hours later, there came a telegram from Davos for me. It was to tell me to break the news of Daisy's death to Jack. It was sent by her sister. She supposed he would come out immediately, but he had been gone two hours now. I left for Davos next day and learned what had happened. Daisy had been suffering for three days from a little abscess which had to be opened, and though the operation was of the slightest, she had been so nervous about it that the doctor gave her chloroform. She made a good recovery from the anesthetic, but an hour later had a sudden attack of syncope? I'm guessing that's some sort of poisoning from antiseptic, like from a mm -hmm. temporary loss of consciousness caused by a fall in blood pressure. Ah. Syncope. Syncope. She had made good recovery from the anesthetic, but an hour later had a sudden attack of syncope and had died that night at a few minutes before eight at Central European time, corresponding to seven in English time. She had insisted that Jack should be told nothing about this little operation till it was over since the matter was quite unconnected with her general health and she did not wish to cause him needless anxiety. And there, the story ends. To my servant there came the sight of a woman outside the drawing room door where Jack was, hesitating about her entrance at the moment when Daisy's soul hovered between the two worlds. To me, there came, I do not think it is fanciful to suppose this, the keen, exhilarating cold of Davos. To Philip, there came the fumes of chloroform, and to Jack, I must suppose, came his wife. So he joined her. The end. Ew! Fuck! <laughs> cool. That was creepy. <laughs> I did not expect him to die. I, I knew she was gonna die. I was like, when she's like, don't be woebegone. Oh, yeah, 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 like, yeah. You knew she was going down, and that's I thought like, she was gonna haunt them, which is what they were feeling. Yeah, that's I like, honey, you may as well be a soldier on the front line who just wrote a letter home. Yeah. Like, you yeah. are super fucked. In, like, a movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, I did not expect that ending. <laughs> Whoo-wee. All right. So, if you smell chloroform or see a weird lady outside your drawing room door, run? <laughs> well, yes. yes. <laughs> Good life advice from Heather Lawler. Yes. Yeah, and that has nothing to do with supernatural anything. <laughs> if you smell chloroform... Maybe don't be don't there anymore. Don't be there because no one should be using chloroform for anything of good intent. If there's a strange lady standing outside your door, <laughs> that reeks of yeah, chloroform. maybe don't be there. <laughs> well, let's be fair. The servant was got the fuck out of there. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. what the fuck's that? Uh, if your house is suddenly unreasonably cold, 
Well, I suppose turn on the heat. Turn on the heat. That's not so it much. It could a, also be a ghost. Well, it, unless it could it's be a 65, because that's yeah. like not cold. I mean, it's chilly, but it's not like back that's in the comfy. day. Ooh, that's, that's comfy. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah, that's like very comfy winter weather. That's very, uh, see, it's always October. That's perfect October weather. 65 right there. That's a perfect day in October. Like middle of day. Was England still using Fahrenheit in 19, when was this, 13? 12, yeah. 1912? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder why it's a 65. Maybe when it was published for American audiences, they changed it. Yes, the United Kingdom started to change from Fahrenheit to Celsius in 1962. Oh, shit, I didn't know that. So they used to use Fahrenheit? Why'd they change? Because Celsius makes way more sense. Well, I know, but, like, why change? That's so interesting. Because, I mean, because it's a system that makes more sense. So they changed. Like, so that new generations could learn a system where zero is freezing and 100 is boiling. I guess I just didn't realize... I didn't didn't realize that, like, England had not always been on the... Was it Imperial system, is that what it's called? Or is ours the imperial? Ours is the imperial. Metric is the one that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize they had not, like, during my parents' lifetime is when they changed. Like, 1962? Yeah. Damn. Uh, And in terms of switching over to the metric system in general, uh, some industries started switching in the 1800s, but it was the mid-1960s when England formally switched over, like the government formally switched over. To metric. That's wild. That's so weird. I didn't. I didn't know that. Okay. Yep. Well, there you go. So definitely sixty-five. So. Yeah. All huh. right. Good to know. More fun facts for everyone. And it's always October. It's always October in Philadelphia. <laughs> it's always sunny in October. It's not sunny in, in Philadelphia that much. Actually, it's kind of gray. <laughs> Is that the joke? I don't know the joke. I've never seen the show. I haven't either. <laughs> uh, it's always Philadelphia in October. <laughs> if you're here, I guess. Yeah. It's always October on Halloween. That's that is that is correct. You are correct. That that one is a hundred percent accurate. Yes. yes. Yeah, Go. Yeah, yeah. Stick with it. Got it. Wow, that was that was a good one. Ef Benson slaying the game. <laughs> Terror by night. <laughs> hey, listeners, I know that we've asked this question before, but um, I want to hear more answers. I want to hear more people uh, um, sort of give their personal stories. When has your brain acted as a receiver? When have you seen or heard or smelled or felt something or tasted something? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that might have been supernaturally motivated. Please let us know by emailing 5050artsproduction at gmail.com. That's 5050 and then artsproduction at gmail.com. Or message us on any of our social media, which you can find by looking for Campfire Classics Podcast on Facebook or Instagram or any of that crap. Uh, and let us know what y- when you have experienced sensory ghost Manipulation. Yeah. Uh, And include this week's secret password, which is Franklin Vomit. Franklin Vomit, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I look forward to smelling it, tasting it tomorrow. (laughs) Way to work. (laughs) 
Uh, I think that's all I've got. Do you have anything interesting? Nope, I'm good. All right. Uh, then that's all for this week. And until next week, we have been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. Don't go into the room full of chloroform. Don't go into the room full of chloroform with the ghost lady who is going to kill you. Oh. Chloroform.